Hello, hello, and welcome in to another Dolphins podcast where we're going to be talking more about your Miami Dolphins. But before we get to all that, before we get to the excitement that is undrafted free agents, I got to welcome in my pair of co-hosts that are joining me on this wonderful Wednesday. Merrick, Joshua, how are we doing today, gentlemen? Oh, we're doing well. At least I am. I don't know. I can't speak for Josh. Maybe Josh is having the worst day he's ever had in his whole life, or maybe he's just like the tiredest he's ever been. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> if, if, if that is the case, Josh, then I know your day is about to about to brighten up here. Your spirits are about to be lifted because we're about to talk some Miami Dolphins football, and that always makes my day better. So I assume it's going to make your day better too. Oh man, yeah. y'all got your you got your handles on the screen here and everything. Man, I should have yeah. done that. Yeah, I was going to say something, but I figured you just didn't want it. But uh, yeah, my day is going good. I'm as good as it can be with three kids that just continuously go back and forth and nitpick. But you really couldn't tell a difference. I come on here looking like a homeless person each and every time. So <laughs> excited to talk about the Dolphins, excited to talk about the acorns that, you know, we have our eyes on. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm good. You know, it's pouring rain out here and I, I finally okay. figured out our purpose. You know, none of us live in Miami. No. None of us deal with beautiful weather. So our job for the entire Miami Dolphins community is to sit inside and create the content while they can be outside enjoying the content. I finally <laughs> yeah. discovered our purpose. I don't know why I thought of that today, but man, it seems to make a lot of sense for some reason. Somebody's got to do it. Might as well be us, right? Yeah, you know, I'm sacrificing a day standing out in the rain, so there are no issues there. But guys, today is one of the most interesting episodes because the discourse can <laughs> go in a bunch of different directions. We are going to talk about Miami's undrafted free agents and just to preface this guys i remember being on twitter seeing heated debates on miami cannot let jonas gray be cut he must this undrafted running back must be on the team yeah well he, he had a big game with the patriots he was cut the next day so my point here is there are going to be guys we like there are going to be traits we like but at the end of the day there needs to be a little context with these players that we're talking about well, I mean, as Dolphins fans, we know in the past we've had success with guys like Nick Needham and and Cater Kohu, undrafted free agents. So I think maybe maybe it's just a Dolphins fan deal. I don't know. I, I don't follow the other 31 teams, but maybe it's just a Dolphins fan deal where we get all excited about these undrafted free agents because we think that, you know, eventually someday uh, these guys are going to become starters for the Dolphins. And if the past is any indication of what's in uh, in the future for these guys, then we might see one or two of them have some success, but we'll we'll see. The chances are slim, but we're going to talk about it either way. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged. You know, sitting here hyping up different acorns. I had Zaquandre White cutups last season. Kellen, oh, yeah. I'll probably mess up his name. What Kellen Deesh or Dice? You know that tackle that everyone thought might become something. You mentioned a different receivers that at one point we got all our hopes up for. Well, at least I did. So yeah, I'm going to probably unicorn do it again here. Preston Williams, right? Yeah, unicorn. I mean. Isaiah Ford was one of those late guys too. That you wasn't know, got Cam Wake about. an undrafted free agent, not with us, but with the Giants and Giants. Technically, was he yeah, was he undrafted? I can't remember if he was technically drafted late and then they cut him. Either way, yeah, we have uh, some success hitting on these guys. But I will be the first one to admit I'm guilty as hyping these guys up, and I'm going to probably do the same thing today. So uh, buckle up. And <laughs> the second I say that we need to kind of limit our expectations, the Dolphins are in a position where. I think they need to rely on a couple undrafted free agents. This is a team that only had four draft picks to work with. And for a little context here, the Rams had brought in more than 20 undrafted free agents. So did the Seahawks. But I think in third are the Miami Dolphins with 19 undrafted free agents. 
but that's how they're going to have to build the roster, at least through this year. I mean, we saw the impact that guys like Cater Cohu had last year. And a big reason for that is because Chris Greer decided to say F them picks. So I also kind of think this is the, one of the more interesting parts of the offseason because we get to see how good Chris Greer is at identifying the different traits the Miami Dolphins need. So with that, when we're focused on those traits, focused on maybe how this depth chart's starting to shake out, because I think we can both admit during the draft, Miami kind of did their own thing. They were kind of the Charlie wild card in it, jumping out, cutting the brakes type thing. So Joshua, I want to start with you, man. Let's get into some undrafted free agents. How are they going to make the team? And uh, let's get hyped. So, so you just want my guy, right? You want me to go up here and hype up Aubrey Miller Jr., the linebacker from Jackson State, six foot, 229 pounds. This is a guy that started his career at Missouri, four-star recruit, transferred to Jackson State and just absolutely balled out under Deion Sanders. Um, 226 total tackles, eight and a half sacks. When you're watching the tape, he really does remind you of a Landon Roberts. I mean, this guy um, models his game after Ray Lewis, and I joked on Twitter, maybe that's why he's running around trying to kill people because you see him at the Senior Bowl. He absolutely, like, traced down a ball ball carrier, just absolutely lit him up. There was a video that I posted where he shed a block and absolutely lit the running back up in the backfield. So we know we have a need at linebacker. Um, we know we're missing Landon Roberts, that guy that can tackle dudes into dudes. I think this is that perfect acorn that can make a, make a name for himself, stick around, whether it's on special teams coming in in those run situations and being that thumper. So um, he's a guy a lot of people thought could be drafted. I think he was projected to go maybe the fifth or sixth round from Lance Zerline. But, um, yeah, man, this is a guy that he won't do anything much in coverage, but what he brings to that run game, tracking down ball carriers, you know, anticipating finding those holes and just bringing down the ball carrier is pretty impressive. So I went with him. Jackson State learned under Deion Sanders, loves Ray Lewis. Why not? Why can't he be that next day corner that makes the 53-man roster, comes out there and builds a name for himself? I like that. And I like that you mentioned that uh, there's a need for another linebacker on this team because you could see a pathway for Aubrey Miller to make this team based on that alone. You know, if he comes out there and he shows some promise, if, if, if he shows, you know, just a little glimmer of what he could possibly become under the tutelage of Vic Fangio, there is a pathway for him to make this team considering the Dolphins do need another linebacker in that room. When you look at kind of the solidified depth chart, the solidified on May 3rd depth chart, uh, you got David Long and, and Jerome Baker starting Duke Riley and Channing Tindall as those guys on the back end. And none of those guys have that same skill set. So Josh, that's why I think this is that kind of an awesome pick. And as someone who loves to cut up film, I mean, I think his path to seeing the field starts with one preseason thump. Like, it's going to be one highlight play, and that's kind of what makes them stick. You mentioned special teams, and the Dolphins, I think, what, entered free agency with, like, 52% of their roster being free agents? And that's not you're not really focused on the top-tier, like, starters in that situation. What, what they were really impacted in is those, you know, second, third-string guys who play on special teams. So that's another opportunity to see him get in there. I think special teams is really going to be, like, I don't know. I wanted to say Rainbow Road, but that's kind of difficult. But it, it seems like the best opportunity because there are those spaces available. I don't think Miami has that group of guys they had in the past, whether it's uh, Clayton Fedulum, Seathan Carter was actually a decent special teams guy. Miami needs those guys, and I think he fits the bill. 
Yeah, and he's best suited for inside, but he did play a little bit on the edge as well, and he got to the passer a few times. So, again, I mean, he's Jackson State. They play in the SWAC. I'm, I should have looked up what that meant. Southwestern Atlantic Conference. That probably sounds pretty – Sounds good to me. Just the swack. Either way, two-time <laughs> all-defensive player there, but he Very can he play on the edge. He can play inside, and I just feel like maybe – I mean, did any of you see the picture going around when he was drafted? People were posting pictures of him, and he looked like um, – I was going to put – I think I wrote down the Megazord once all the Power Rangers come together. I mean, this dude looks like a brick shithouse so um i love the linebackers i'll eventually do a cut up if you go to youtube you can find some highlights and dude it's so funny watching some of these like low quality highlights where they have like an old ibm like cursor and it's like exploding <laughs> and stuff like it was the perfect highlight but this dude is a hitter he, uh, he he's hungry and again i saw him you can see him develop under Deion sanders what could vic fangio get out of him that's kind of uh where i'm looking at and again we've all admitted that there's another spot there at linebacker so that's my pick. I'm going to hope that he ends up making the roster, and I'm going to call him um, the next to Landon Roberts. That sounds pretty good, I think. Yeah, well, that, I, Megazord was awesome. You, you, you sold me there. Uh, one more question I have just about this, because every year, you know, we watch sports because we don't know what's going to happen. We can shake that crystal ball as many times as we want, and we're still going to get things wrong. Uh, is there any chance, David Long Jr., Jerome Baker, Duke Riley, Channing Tindall, is there any chance one of those guys aren't on the roster come opening day? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I know there was rumblings about Jerome Baker being moved uh, earlier in the offseason. A lot of people thought maybe he wasn't a good fit for the Fangio defense. I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think Jerome Baker will stick. I think he's a lock. I think obviously David Long's a lock. He just got signed. You know, they brought back. Riley and, and Tyndall was a draft pick last year. So I, I do think all four of those guys are going to be on the Dolphins roster this upcoming season. But like we talked about, there's still room to add another body or two to that room. Yeah, and I think Duke Riley, even what he brings at special teams, right? I mean, he's Absolutely. decent in coverage. I was going to say Channing Tindall, but that would just be such a shame for the Dolphins just completely give up on him after, you know, his second season under Vic Fangio. So I think they'll all probably stick around. I think Duke Riley's only on a one-year deal anyway. So uh, maybe we do see some of these linebackers stick, but that's a good question, Jake, for sure. And you just mentioned Duke Riley, middle linebacker that plays special teams. I mean, boom, tip the bill. Is. Isn't Drake named Aubrey? Who does, does anyone know that the singer, I, the rapper I think Drake, so. is his name Aubrey? I think so. I actually think I don't know why I know that, but I, I think you're right for some reason. That's cool. I, like, I got no I, idea. <laughs> I hope he makes a team. I hope he does fill the Landon Roberts role, and I, I hope he he just thumps some dudes so he can be like, yeah, you just got tackled by a dude named Aubrey. There, there's a lot of fan bases. If you go look Aubrey Miller up on Twitter, there's a lot of fan bases that really wanted the, uh, their teams to sign them, and a lot of them are even still saying, if, the, if this guy's cut by the Dolphins, I want the Eagles to sign him, this, that, and the other thing. So he's yeah. a guy that's hungry. He's a guy that, again, a lot of people thought could be drafted, and um, I don't know if it's just because he was with Jackson State and all the notoriety they got, but he's a playmaker, and I think he'll go out there and show it. Like Jake said, all it takes is that one thump in preseason, a forced fumble here or there, or whatever it might be, and next thing you know, he's um, you know in, in – in good with his coaching staff. The dude tackler. The Merrick, dude you want to go next? Yeah. So we talked about a, a position, a linebacker position, which is a need of this team. Another need of the Miami Dolphins, uh, one which may have been addressed during the draft. Maybe not. I don't know. Ryan Hayes tackle out of Michigan. Well, we went ahead and got the starting left tackle out of Michigan State. Uh, Jarrett Horst. Uh, actually played a couple years at Michigan State, also played at Arkansas State, but started his collegiate career right here in Iowa at Ellsworth Community College, Iowa Falls, which is a a, a small town, very, very small town. You made that up. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> Just, no, he, he actually did. I, you know, I can't sit here and say that I'm an expert on Jarrett Horst's collegiate career. I'm not a I'm Michigan kidding. State Spartan fan, uh, nor am I an Arkansas State whatever the hell they are fan. And Ellsworth, uh, let's just say the Eagles. Let's just, Ellsworth Eagles will go with alliteration. Uh, but, 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 the Dolphins do have a need at tackle and also at guard. So he could be one of those tackle to guard converts. Uh, he has average height at 6'6 for, I mean, average height at 6'6 for an <laughs> offensive tackle. If I was 6'6, I would just run around punching holes in people's chests because what were they going <laughs> to, what would they do about it? Nothing. I'm 6'6 for Christ's sake. But, anyways, he's 6'6, but he's only 294 pounds. So while that's average height for a tackle, it's actually very, very light for a starting offensive tackle in the NFL. But when you watch, uh, some of the highlight plays that oh, as I knocked my camera out of the way, as you watch some of the highlight plays uh, that I was able to do after we signed him as an undrafted free agent, he's just a nasty dude. Like he's just a mauler, very Richie incognito vibes. There, just he he plays through the whistle, he plays after the whistle, he gets in your head, he punches you in the mouth, makes you think about what you're doing. Uh, you know. If he's not getting penalties called on him for the way he's playing, he's drawing penalties from opposing defenders because he's getting them so frustrated because he's, he's such a just just a just a finicky fella. Like he just he wants to get under your skin, get you all pissed off, get you thinking about uh, about him and what he's doing and, and cause you to have some some mess ups there. So. You know, the book on him from what they say, uh, again, not an expert on Jarrett Horse here, but I, I kind of like I like the nastiness that he plays with. Uh, they say he's kind of a, a work in progress a little bit. Um, he does use his hands well, good hand placement, powerful punch, those types of things. Uh, they do say he kind of whiffs on blocks after he gets beaten initially, lacks range and lateral quickness against some of those speed rushers, uh, plays a little too high. Uh, his, his pad level can be a little too high at six foot six. I can see where that would be a problem. Uh, but you know, he's an acorn, another one of those offensive lineman acorns, uh, that the dolphins are, are so desperately in need of right now. You know, they had, a they had holes at starting left guard and starting right tackle in a lot of fans' minds, clearly not in the mind of Chris Greer and, or Mike McDaniel, uh, cause those positions were not addressed early in the draft. Again, they, they did take an offensive lineman in the seventh round. We'll see if he makes the team or not. Um, and a lot of fans, myself included, were a little kind of concerned with, with that mindset and, and a little, uh, we were left feeling a little quizzical. Like why, why was nothing done uh, with this offensive line and, and the players that the dolphins drafted, you know, they're, they're going to be good players and they're, they're a lot of good things to say about cam Smith and Devon a chain. Um, but I thought there were some offensive linemen who could possibly help out the dolphins and, and they didn't think so. So maybe Jarrett Horst uh, becomes that fella. Maybe he com becomes that, um, starting right tackle or starting left guard. Maybe he's the backup left tackle to Teron Armstead or, or the swing tackle on this team. We'll wait and see. There's, there's still a lot of uh, time between now and the regular season, but you know, if, if he ends up being a good player for the dolphins, I wouldn't be surprised just based on his physicality, at least in the, the few clips that I was able to see at his. I love that on ESPN. It's May 3rd and Teron Armstead, Leon Eichenberg and Austin Jackson are all questionable. That kind of puts in context with his <laughs> offensive line looks like yeah. there was some like that's 100 the truth though <laughs> Teron armstead he he pulled a, a laramie tunsil and slipped getting into the shower <laughs> <laughs> so i actually recently wrote a story because billy turner is i think he actually signed with the jets and it brought me back to that week 
where Billy Turner had to start at left tackle um, because Brandon Albert was out and because Laramie Tunsil slipped in the bathtub. And it was the week <laughs> that Adam Gase said, F it, I'm going to cut you both. And that was the craziest thing that he just kind of chopped off Billy Turner, chopped off Dallas Thomas. Uh, Credit to Billy Turner that he's actually, you know, continued his career for nearly 10 years at this point. But think about that for a second. Since Adam Gase, has this team run the same offense in two straight years? Oh, certainly not. No. So this is the first time in Tua Tungvaluwa's career he's had the same offensive coordinator for two seasons in a row, even going back to his college days. So. So that kind of brings me to the point. I mean, there are some really ugly, ugly advanced analytics about Liam Eikenberg. And I always kind of felt that left guard was a position you might be able to hide just a little bit, especially if you have a good left tackle. And when you we start talking about these undrafted free agents, the question remains, are you going to play my guard? If you draft a tackle, why not just play my guard? Hurst kind of seems to fit that mold. But the big question is Liam Eikenberg, second year in a system. Robert Jones played all, all right last year. What are we going to see differently? We saw so many linemen fail in Miami, but it's not like they all developed in the same system. They're asked to do different things. For all we know, Liam Eikenberg was forced to learn a technique, and no matter what, no matter if something was easier, they just wanted to get that through that first year so he understands and learns things. Obviously, I'm making excuses here, but I do think there's a little bit of continuity questions we have, just the fact that Miami finally has a sustained offense for two whole years. Well, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, working in Jarrett Horse's favor, is he was actually the number one overall pick in the USFL uh, rookie draft, collegiate draft. So uh, Dolphins didn't have a first-round pick this year, but they still got the number one overall selection. It just so happened to be in the USFL draft and not the NFL draft. So he's basically the Jake Long of uh, the USFL is what you're saying. Um, I I don't want to throw him under the bus necessarily, but we did hear things about Matt Applebaum, you know, being a little bit in over his head last season. You wonder how much Frank Smith having to take on some of that, you know, led to the offensive line struggles. I mean, you mentioned same system in place. I'm excited to see what Jared Horse can do. I looked it up. um, I was trying to watch some of the highlights that I posted, you know, way back when they signed him. And at Arkansas State, I mean, this guy definitely looked like a bully. I mean, he was just pancaking dudes. He looked like um, like you would expect from a USFL first overall pick. So, uh, you know, when you have that offensive line that's been in shambles, when you continue to hear uh, Mike McDaniel and company talk about the best players starting, the best players getting a roster spot, why can't Jared Horst end up sticking? So I'm definitely intrigued by this. Um, again, he was at Arkansas State. I don't know how much of those guys, you know, the talent was there. You know, a lot of these guys, you go and watch a film, you just got to kind of factor in who they're going against right but he looked like he was a man amongst boys and i'm intrigued by this so i like this i like this uh player and i'm i'm with you Merrick. this guy could definitely fit a role for the dolphins and find his way onto the roster even if we want to say armstead eichenberg williams hunt and jackson are the starters as locks i mean kendall lamb was with the team last year struggled at times robert jones we mentioned undrafted guy who had to fill in uh lester cotton senior they send this offseason same with dan feeney uh but they're This group isn't as solidified as the middle linebackers. I think Miami can do a lot in terms of developing depth at that uh, tackle position. They drafted someone in the seventh round at a UMass Amherst a couple years ago, and I I can't think of his name. It was in the seventh round, the biggest boy possible, and he spent a little while in the practice squad, and he never stuck. But but it just seems like those are the type things, like you want that seventh-round pick who's going to be on the practice squad and be comfortable when they got to get pulled up. I don't know why I can't think of his name to save my life right now. I'm struggling. We've talked about him before. I can't. I can't remember it either. It was just recently, right? Like two years ago, maybe. I can't. I can't remember. 
Yeah, I think I think it was like the 2020 draft. I mean, working in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I mean, I'm 40. Larnell Coleman. Larnell, yes, there it is. Lar- yep, there Coleman. it is. You know, I that's I a guy. When you saw the traits, I thought he could be that guy. But uh, Hurst, I like the physicality. I mean, Richie Incognito, you mentioned that's a left guard right there. So hey, I think there's an open position there, and you know, best man wins. I'm all for that. Guys, I did my homework here. I got Brandon Peely of the USC Trojans. Now the Miami Dolphins have two. Miami Trojans, him and Austin Jackson. Um, and, and something I like to do when I look at undrafted free agents, just for a little bit of context, uh, he got $100,000 guaranteed as a signing bonus. And that kind of helps me understand where the Miami Dolphins are and the vision of these guys and, and what they're looking for. Um, that's on the upper end. I've seen people reach up to like a $250,000 signing bonus. But to me, I, I see that as a level of intrigue that this isn't just a camp body. This is someone who can come in. And you look at his uh, weight, height 6'3", 345 pounds. He kind of fits that mold. He was a nose tackle in high school. And then once he got to USC, he was just kind of filling in as an offensive lineman. Last year, he had 25 tackles, 15 pressures, and just one sack. And guys, the main reason I'm really intrigued is because we are all under the impression, you know, when someone's active, they can play and they're good. But there's such a long healing process. And we see sometimes that, hey, it takes an entire year for someone to come back looking like they are. Uh, Peely tore his Achilles on April 10th, 2021. It was during a spring practice. He missed the entire season and he came back the following April, which meant he had one season to kind of show his stuff. Originally a three-star recruit. To me, I see a path for him to make the roster simply because I don't think we saw the full package. This is a guy, I mean, you see him going on double teams. His balance, I don't know why, but the balance just sticks out to me. You know, some guy will come to his left, try to push him. He's got this spin move ready to go. And it just seems so fluid that it's not really something we see out of the Dolphins much. I mean, I kind of see it at a Christian Wilkins a little bit, but he's still just a, a, it just seemed a little different. I don't really know how to explain it. I wish I could, but that flexibility, that the opportunity to kind of break in as a nose tackle. Miami doesn't have that. I'm kind of sold on this guy. I am sold on him from what you told me before we started recording about his sister. So she seems to be the the big athlete in the family, right? I I did a horrible job. Is that when he was like pressing her or whatever? Did you see that? He was like lifting her up and no. dude. (laughs) I I, I actually, I I did not see that. So where, where was that? A lot of love in that family. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had her up on his shoulders, and he was like doing uh, squats. I guess I I don't know. I I don't I don't do those things. So Alyssa (laughs) Alyssa Peely has gone. There's there's a headlight line right here from the Salt Lake Tribune. Alyssa Peely has gone from bullying boys on the football field to tormenting. She was a football player. Yeah. So in high school, she was a wrestler and a football player. Growing wow. up in Alaska, like her brother, and then she just switched to playing uh, uh, basketball. And guys, I- I'm sorry for the people who aren't um, watching this on YouTube. If you want to, go to follow at Houts. I'm going to share my screen real quick because I just want you to see this one picture of what what she is capable of, let alone him. Look at what's happening to that poor girl on the left. Oh, That's yes. a Ricky Stiff arm. That's a Ricky Stiff arm right there. Can we sign her? She, I mean, this family looks like an absolute bunch of studs. And I think there is a real scenario here where he struggled simply because, you know, you're still recovering from that injury. This is, I think, one of those players that, hey, you know, he might start on the practice squad. He might come up, have one bear paw on special teams, and that's really where it goes 
uh, b- berserk for him. He has burst and balance. I like that being his, you know, uh, forte a little bit. He's a little small. So there is an issue there, especially when you want big, ugly defensive tackles. But maybe in this Fangio system, maybe that nose tackle, we are in an NFL where people or teams want smaller centers. So this could be a way to combat that. And it, to me, it's an uphill battle. There are those clear weaknesses. He is a little small. He struggles with his hands sometimes. But that burst and balance, man, if you go watch some clips, it's just very impressive to see, you know, these other 300-pound guys try to just knock him on his butt, and he is just anti-pancake. And oh, I'm going to call like him anti-pancake he... for now on. He's just anti-pancake. <laughs> he looks like he's got some uh, Samoan in him. Is he? Is he got some Samoan heritage there? Because if so, you know he's making the team. Like two well, I, gonna, I was going to say. He's going to pull I'm some looking, strings there. I'm looking at it. We know Vic Fangio needs that anchor in the middle of his defense. And uh, as soon as we started talking about him, the, I thought he did look Samoan as well. And it started to make me think of Paul Soliai. So I looked it up. Paul Soliai, six foot four, three fifty five. Brandon Peely, six foot three, three forty five. So okay. uh, not too far off. So I'm just going to say that this is going to be our next Paul Solia. He's going to be that big behemoth in the middle of that defense and the thing that, you know, exactly what Vic Fangio's defense needs. So, uh, Jake, you talked about p- potentially the Dolphins going that route in the second round, right, with 51st overall finding that guy. They might have found an acorn there late undrafted that, you know, could come in here and fill the same void that we need. Guys, do you do you remember how good those or how fun those defensive lines were? Paul Soliai, um, Randy Starks, Randy Starks was Randy, was it Rand- Randy Starks giving the middle finger to the sideline? Right, wasn't that him? To his like, own sideline. Yeah, yeah, I would too. <laughs> I mean, we're Dolphin fans. We give the Dolphins a finger all the time. <laughs> Kendall Langford, wasn't there like a practice with they they stopped practice because he dropped an earring? Wasn't that a thing at that time too? Probably. I'm, I met I Paul remember. Soliai once at a mall in Indianapolis. At the food court, he was really nice. Rashad Jones was really mean. <laughs> what was he eating? A Chinese food. Panda how, Express. How much did he have? That's what, I mean, wasn't Paul Soli a massive dude, right? He was. Oh, he was humongous. Uh, in the picture, I looked like a second grader next to him. I was a. I was older than he was. I'm a full-fledged adult. Was he undrafted, Soli, or was he like a later round pick? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I thought he was drafted, but uh. Fourth round of the 2007 draft, oh, there according Fourth to round Wikipedia. Pick. Fourth gotcha, round picks. Gotcha. I wonder what those feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, who, who was that? Tyree Kill? That, that's, that's your fourth round pick. Yeah. There. We'll take it. 5% of Tyree Kill. We'll take it. We'll take it. For the next three years until he retires, apparently. <laughs> Let's not that's so scary that. to talk about. I hope that's not true. Everybody stop buying Tyree Kill's Soul Runner gear. Don't follow him on Twitch. Don't do any of that. Make sure all of his other businesses fail miserably so that he remains a Miami Dolphin forever. Dude, I still go back. That's been one of the most impressive things. Like Tyree came to Miami to be a businessman, and it's been very impressive, the the leadership and and being that guy. Uh, But, gentlemen, we have 19 undrafted free agents on this team to go with the squad of Jet Picks, Cam Smith, Devon A-Chain, Ryan Hayes. Ryan Hayes. My mind's completely boggled. And Elijah then Higgins. Elijah Higgins. Uh, guys, let's real quick. Ryan Hayes, percent chance he makes the roster as a seventh round pick? Uh, 12. Well, <laughs> I don't I Out of what? We're going out of 10? You said 12? 12%. <laughs> oh, 12. <laughs> at, so be... <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll go 10% then. I, I don't know. Well, you, you guys. Uh, no, I'll go. I'll go. Let me go 45. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to go sixty nine percent for sure. Yeah, like that, I, don't, that. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not the offensive line guy. That's Merrick. Okay. I'm just and worried then, about the offensive line. I, I I do think he could be a stud at left guard too. I don't know why. I it, every left tackle, it's instantly just throw that guard. And then um to Elijah Higgins, how about him? What what percentage would you put that up that he's going to make the roster? Uh, I think he has a better chance just because there's not a lot of bodies in that tight end room and they want to play him at tight end. So I'll give him a 65% chance to make the roster. I was going 84. I think that's the number that was going around. I don't know if they're even legit numbers, but I thought he might be wearing the number 84. So I'll go 84, 84% chance. Oh, that sounds great. I, I like that. I like that. I like the reasoning. Um, and yeah, his ability as, as that inline blocker and able to kind of break out there and beat some zones, it'll definitely be interesting. But gentlemen, any last thoughts before we wrap up here? We got out of our systems the thrill that is undrafted free agents. We are starting to enter that third wave of free agency. Um, we're less than a month until the Miami Dolphins get a $13 million payday to make some moves with. And uh, even, I, I'm going to say, we still have Delvin Cook <laughs> rumbling. So it's, it's still kind of a very weird time. Real quick before we leave, I want to give a shout out to Zeke Vandenberg, another yeah. UDFA. I was torn between doing my little piece on Vandenberg or Horst. Uh, played college at Illinois State, which is actually relatively close to where I'm at. He was a, a red bird for Illinois State. Missouri Valley Football Conference Defensive Player of the Year uh, last season. Um after the 2022 season, let's see, started 10 games. He tallied a sack in eight of the 10 games. And in three separate games, he had three or more sacks. That was against Valparaiso, South Dakota State, and Western Illinois. And I used to go party at Western Illinois all the time. And uh, they used to park this little pizza cart right outside the main bar there. And after you Genius. left the bar at like 2 a.m. and you were just drunk off your ass, they sold you full-size, large 16-inch pizzas for $5 a piece. He's basically Cam Wake, though. I mean, when you watch the highlights of him, that guy is just a menace. And you have to wonder the same stuff if it's because he's going against a bunch of uh, grocery, you know, store clerks or whatnot. Another guy we have to mention is Michael Turk. You know, his dad, punter for Matt the Dolphins. Turk. Legendary. Yeah, I thought it was Matt Turk, but I wasn't confident, so I didn't want to say it. Um, he's now part of the, pre uh, you know, some of that, what is it, 20 undrafted guys that we brought in. So um, who knows if he could stick and knock out, what, Jake, Jake Bailey. Bailey. But um, – I think it's pretty cool that we brought in his son and he's trying to jockey for a position on the roster. Throw in that little favor. Yeah, J Jake Bailey, that's also interesting. He's coming off an injury. There was that whole ordeal in New England, so I definitely wouldn't say that as a lock. But, gentlemen, we have talked for a half an hour about undrafted free agents. I hey, think cool. that is enough. To everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying that show, that show and the show, we highly <laughs> encourage you to hit that Which subscribe show? button. And if you can, the reviews really help uh, others find the show. That helps people learn about the show. We would be grateful, so, so grateful if you could leave a review. But we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Until then, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. The greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. We're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one.
We're the Miami Dolphins.